Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, welcome, everybody, online and everybody over in Pewaukee uh, on the other side of the camera. Welcome, everybody, here in the room in uh, Waukesha. Good to see you. And uh, thanks for making church uh, part of your uh, weekend. Hey, we started a new series a couple weeks ago called Slay the Monster. And the uh, monster is financial stress and anxiety. It's the number one source of stress in our lives. It is the number one marriage killer in America. And uh, 50, or 89% of Americans say that they feel broke. Uh, 59% of us uh, live paycheck to paycheck with no real safety net. But we said uh, week one that we can, we can train our, our money. Remember the dog videos? We talked about how it's easier to train money than uh, a dog. We can train our money in a way with God's help to bring peace and blessing into our lives. And we also uh, offered you the, uh, we call it the monster deal on Financial Peace University, 50% off. It's a great class that I would recommend to you. And it's not too late to get signed up. It's getting started uh, this week in both locations. And so I hope you'll uh, consider doing that. And then last weekend we learned how to slay the monster through developing contentment. And now this week uh, we're going to wrap it up. And we're going to talk about a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25 that I think really sums up this series and uh, challenges us to slay the monster by trusting and honoring um, God. It's a story about a business owner who gives his money to his uh, servants, and then he holds them accountable for how they manage his wealth. Jesus wants us to know that uh, God owns it all, and uh, our money is really his uh, money. A couple years ago, I I tried to come up with a way to uh, help people feel the weight of managing somebody else's money. So I talked to my wife, Marnie, and uh, we decided to go to the bank and and, uh, uh, take out uh, money from our emergency fund and give everybody at River Glen one Dollar. And so I went to the bank. Here's some visual uh, evidence. The teller wasn't sure she had enough, but she, she pulled it off. She, she helped me out. And I withdrew enough to give everybody at both locations a dollar that uh, weekend. And uh, honestly, when I walked out of the bank with a bag of money, I felt kind of like a drug dealer, uh, you know, <laughs> carrying some cash, uh, making the drop or something. And then uh, that weekend, everybody uh, got one of those dollars. And I said, I want you to carry that dollar. Okay, but then I want you to bring it back next week because that's not the church's money. It's my money. It's from our emergency fund. I'm trusting you with my money. Now, I've never seen $1 cause so much stress. People are like, I just feel uncomfortable carrying your dollar around. Other people worried, you know, what if it all doesn't come back? Are you and Marnie going to be okay? One guy posted my uh, dollar every day on social media uh, here's my dollar watching the Packer game with him, and he folded it up. I don't know how he did this into a little little shirt. And uh, Dan Zarwell, yeah, he uh, he took great care of my uh, money. Thanks, thanks, Dan. So I gave uh, everybody a dollar. We put out buckets the next week. wasn't a fundraiser, but some people put uh, more in. Uh, in the, the, the bucket because they were worried about us. Apparently, uh, you don't trust the people of River Glen as much as I did. And when uh, we uh, took out all of our money, uh, there was um, actually almost a thousand extra dollars in there. And so Marnie and I had a great vacation. And uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Now, we gave it all. We, we gave every penny into the church offering. But feeling the weight of 
carrying somebody else's money resonates with this parable, this story that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25. It's known as the parable of talents. The New International Version calls it the parable of gold uh, bags. Jesus begins this way in verse 14. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth uh, to them. Notice whose wealth it is. It's his. It's the master's. And he, he didn't give it, uh, really give it or transfer ownership. He entrusted his wealth to these servants. To one he gave uh, five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on a journey. Now, we don't know how long he'd be gone, but he hands out bags of gold to his servants and entrusts them to invest it and manage it uh, wisely. In our economy today, one bag of gold would equal probably about $400,000. And so this is a large, very large amount of money that he entrusts uh, to them. And the point uh, Jesus makes is your ability, your talents, the money that you earn. It's not really your money. It really is God's money. I wonder, I wonder how you would rate yourself, score yourself in this area on, on a scale of 1 to 10. How much uh, do you trust God in this uh, area? Uh, just kind of give yourself a number on a scale of 1 to 10. How much is your money God's money? Over here, zero, you know, it's all mine. You know, I make all the calls. On the other end, 10, you know, you listen to everything God says. You're, you're, you know, you're perfect. You, you, God leads and you follow. So give yourself a number. What would it be? You know, two, three, six, seven. I will tell you for me that in, over the years, I've made progress, but I'm not a 10. And I, I, this is a growth area for me. Um, but I want to I move more in this direction because the more you move, you know, in this direction, the more you slay the monster and experience uh, financial peace and joy and uh, blessing. Do you know that there's, there's over 50 verses uh, that make this point in the Bible? Here's one, Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That word everything is encompassing. I mean, you can put God's name on everything in this world. The world, it's not 10% God's. It's 100% his and 0% ours. And on the day you die, according to the story that <clears throat> Jesus tells in Matthew 25, God's going to have a conversation with you about what you did with his uh, money. You know, this story we're going to look at in Matthew 25 is actually embedded in a series of, of stories that Jesus tells about the inevitability of death, our death, and the judgment God will make about our life, the quality of our life, and our obedience. Now, I don't want to be morbid, but as a church, <clears throat> we've held more funerals this last year than any previous year. In fact, we've held more funerals the last year than the previous three years combined. Probably all of us know somebody who passed away in the last year. Some didn't see it coming, and that day is coming for all of us, probably sooner than we might think. And Jesus tells this story to prepare us. So look at what the servants did uh, with the master's uh, wealth, his wealth. Uh, the man who'd received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So the master distributes his wealth to his servants, and then he leaves 
expecting them to do something good with these amazing resources that he entrusted uh, to them. And then he returns and settles accounts with his servants, just like God uh, one day is going to settle accounts with us. But for some of us, you know, when, when we stand before uh, Jesus and he says, hey, what would you do with my money? Where would the money go? Some of us are going to be like, I don't know. You know, I don't really know, you know, where the money went. I didn't really keep track of it. I didn't, you know, I didn't do the budget thing, which is, is, is funny because, um, you know, none of us would stand for that. If you went to your bank and you walked up and said, hey, can you uh, tell me the balance in my account? Can you tell me how much money I have in my account? And they're like, well, uh, we don't really know, you know, 12, somewhere between we think 12 and 1,500, but we don't really track it down to the penny. You'd be like, what? That's my money. We carry God's money, but we may not have uh, priorities or goals for it. And that's why Jesus wants us to know that one day God's going to hold us accountable for what we did with his, his money. In other words, what we do now matters then. Would you say that out loud with me on the count of three? One, two, three. What we do now matters then. And so let's apply that to three different groups. First, what five bag people do now <clears throat> matters then. Do you notice in verse 16 that when the man received five bags of gold, it says he went at once and he, he, put, he put it to work and he gained five more. It's interesting. Jesus entrusted the most proactive servant with the most gold to work with. The next verse says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I want you to notice this word. It's, it's, it's emphatic. I've gained five more. You know, this, this uh, five-bag servant, he's ready. He's glad this day has come. He's looking forward to this test. And he says, see, look, you, you gave me five bags. See, I've gained five, five more. Next verse, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and enter your master's happiness. Listen, if you get serious about implementing the financial principles that we've talked about in this series, over time, I mean, if you show faithfulness in a few things, God is going to entrust you with more, uh, more resources because you're responsible. Some of you are, are five-bag people and you know it. You know, everything about your life is, is more, more uh, money, more responsibility, more expectations, more pressure, more opportunity, even more temptations. But this parable, I think, should encourage those of you with five bags because the rich person is actually the hero in this story. The owner said, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. If you're a five-bag person, God has entrusted you with wealth, but not to hoard it. He wants you to put it in play where it does, where it does good. This guy used his wealth to honor his master. But if you're a five-bag person, it will probably challenge you. To give generously. Jesus says, do not lay up your treasures on earth where they get destroyed. Lay up your treasures in heaven where they don't get destroyed because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're a five-bag person, 
you can be a tremendous blessing in the kingdom of God. But I also know that the more bags of gold that you have, the harder it can be to let go and to give. Research actually shows that as we gain more wealth, we tend to give away a smaller percentage of it. For example, let's say that you uh, have an annual salary of $50,000. The Bible teaches a benchmark for generous giving. It's called a tithe. Tithe means a tenth. You give 10% to God. So if you make $50,000 a year, a tithe would be $96 a week. And you're like, I'd do that. You know, that's like a date night, dinner, movie, $96 a week. I'll honor the Lord with that. But let's say you start making more. Let's say you make $250,000 a year. Now a tithe would be over $2,000 a month. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more you can do with $2,000. I mean, you can upgrade your, your house, your vacations, your car. And so the temptation for five-bag people is to misuse the master's money. It's, it, it's stronger for them than those with less. But Jesus affirms the faith and the trust and the obedience of this servant who was blessed with these five bags because he, he used them to, to honor the master with that blessing. In fact, Jesus went on to say to him, you were faithful in a few things. I'm going to give you a lot more. If you're a five-bag person, Jesus promises that one day you're going to stand before him and you're going to think, Giving generously to church and other causes close to the heart of God, that was the smartest and most spiritual decision that I ever made. Why? <clears throat> because what you do now matters then. But the story goes on, the parable goes on to tell us that what two bag people do now <clears throat> matters then. There's a humbling phrase in this uh, story. Did you, did, you, did you catch it? I had it highlighted earlier. It says, uh, when the master gave to each person, it says he gave according to their ability. Apparently God knows how much that each of us can handle. And I would guess that probably the majority of us, the majority of us would connect more with the two-bag servant than the five-bag person. I know I'm probably talking to a lot of two-bag uh, people today. You wouldn't say you're super wealthy, but you know God has blessed you. But let me warn you about two temptations for two-bag people. The first temptation is to be jealous of five-bag people. Instead of feeling grateful for the gifts that you have, you start to compare. We talked about this last week. And you feel envious, dissatisfied, discontent. You can feel bitter because you don't have a six-bedroom house or drive a $100,000 vehicle or take exotic vacations. But the Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And jealousy and resentment indicate greed and immaturity. Here's another temptation for the two-bag person, and that is to look down at the one-bag person because uh, you, you think you're better because you've got a little bit more. But Jesus, I mean, he didn't own anything except the coat on his back. And he's the greatest person who ever lived. God does not measure your worth by your wealth. God established your worth by sending his one and only son to the cross uh, for you. I find it interesting that the master in this story, he doesn't play favorites because the uh, five-bag person earned, gained twice as much as the two-bag person. No, no, no. He uses the exact same words uh, for the five-bag and the two-bag 
person. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, because God measures us by opportunity, our opportunity, ability, and effort. And if you're a two-bag person, you have the responsibility to make the most of what God has entrusted you. Say you make $50,000 a year, and you make that for 40 years. Now, some of you are going to make more than that, but let's just go with that. You will have earned $2 million in your lifetime. And so be wise about how you manage God's money. And the first risk that God asks you to take is not like a you know, big lump sum donation, but a regular tithe of your earnings. In uh, Malachi uh, chapter 3, you know, uh, Malachi, uh, the Italian prophet, uh, he writes not to super wealthy, uh, just to super wealthy. He writes to, to regular people. And he says, uh, will a mere mortal, God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? God says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse because you are robbing me. You know, we're going to look at this in a, in a moment when we look at the one bag person. <clears throat> God sees uh, disobedience with money as a sin. We'll, we'll see that when we look at the one bag person. The next verse says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The, the, the modern storehouse would be the church. You know, we bring our tithe uh, to the church. God wants the church to feed and nurture people today spiritually. And God, God goes on. Look at this. God says, test me in this. Only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God promises that when we give a tithe to him, uh, one-tenth, he'll pour out so much blessing that we won't be able to receive it. And the needs of the church will be met and will thrive. Even for uh, two-bag people, what we do now matters then. You know, when I stand before God one day, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful uh, servant, not just with your pastoring, but with your finances. When I was younger, you know, when I was growing up and in college, I was not a good uh, money manager. I was a, I was a terrible uh, money uh, manager. Jesus says, do not store up treasures on earth. And I obeyed that verse. I mean, I didn't save up anything. I mean, I just spent it all. Uh, but then I got married and Marnie and I made this decision to start tithing. And there's, there's many areas in my life where I have regrets and have messed up, but we've stayed consistent in this area. And I just want to tell you, God's, God has provided and, and, and blessed us. This is the best way to slay the monster and live with peace, financial peace and blessing. Okay, one last group, and then I want to make some suggestions on how we can all apply this. One bag people, what they do now matters then. Uh, this one bag guy buried his talent in the ground and he made several mistakes. First of all, he was full of self-pity. Look at this. He says, he says to the master, I knew that you are a, a hard man. In other words, you know, things are tough. It's not my fault. I wasn't able to give. I'm the victim here. And uh, he says that he was, a, he was afraid he had lots of uh, fear. The master called him lazy, wicked, lazy servant. He was unimaginative. I mean, he should have at least put it in the bank and collected some interest. But after he makes all these excuses, 
The master condemned uh, the servant who buried his one bag of, of gold. And he takes that one bag of gold and he gives it to the one who now has uh, ten. And he throws the wicked, lazy servant out into the darkness. Now, almost all the time, the Bible treats the poor with compassion. But in this example, the one with the least is judged irresponsible and sent away. Because I think Jesus wants all of us to know what we do now matters then. Nobody can say, uh, this doesn't apply to me. And so I want to say a word to those of you who would consider yourself under-resourced. Maybe, you're, maybe you live on a fixed income. Maybe you're a student and have a part-time job. Maybe you're just starting your career. Maybe you're unemployed right, right now. For whatever reason, your income is low. This parable teaches that you're not exempt from making the most of what God has entrusted you. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And the point is, even if you have very little, God expects you to be trustworthy with very little. This is what parenting is, is about. You know, when your kids are little and they're growing up as a parent, you're constantly testing them, right? You give them a little to see if they can handle it. And, and if they are, then you're able to give them more. Jesus says the issue is not what you would do if you had a million dollars. But what do you do? What are you doing with what you already have? And if you're faithful with it, even if you have a little, he will entrust you with more. Many of you probably know the story in Luke chapter 21 about the widow. Jesus watches people giving their offering at the temple. And this widow walks up and puts the last of her money in the uh, temple offering box. Two coins. Two copper coins. But Jesus doesn't stop her and say, no, ma'am, don't do that. You can't afford to do that. No, he actually commends her. And he points out she's the most generous person at the temple that day because she gave everything. Everybody else gave out of the abundance. Here, if you, even if you have little, God expects you to be trustworthy with the little that you have. And if you're faithful, he will entrust you with more. When you give, you remind yourself that it's not my money, it's God's money. When you give, you test God as he encourages you to do. And you allow the Holy Spirit to fulfill his promise and provide for you. When you give, you strengthen the church. When you give, God uses it to build his kingdom. And sometimes the smaller gifts are the most inspiring. When I hear about a single mom or a widow giving uh, generously, it inspires me to reach deeper into those two bags that God has entrusted me. What we do now matters then, whether you've got five bags, two bags, or one bag. And really the question is, do you believe that you can trust God in this area of your life? Well, today I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision. Open your heart. And uh, trust God, um, and trust trust God, and, and honor uh, God. But first, I want you to hear from a couple in our church. I want you to hear from Ken and Denise Pettit about a decision they made many years ago to trust and honor um, God. And during this uh, video, our team is going to pass out uh, cards down your row. Uh, they they look like this. They say "Slay the monster" on them. I want you to take one of those uh, cards. Now, you're not going to turn this in. Uh, you're going to keep this. 
and take this with you. So uh, take one of these uh, cards and watch the screens. I'm Denise Pettit. Hi, I'm Ken Pettit. We've been coming to River Glen since 2005. I mean, we were giving just like we had been previously, which was not very much, you know, um, whatever was, I think, convenient. And then finally, we did this series with uh, Barry Cameron and uh, his book, ABCs of Financial Freedom. And uh, something clicked for me that I, I needed to read that book. Yeah, it was really just it's God just working on, on, on my heart and, and Denise's as well, you know, just to, just to get us uh, soft enough to figure out that tithing was, was an important step of obedience for us, um, whether or not it made any sense. And ironically, it came at a time that was not convenient for our family at all. Um, I had just quit my job. Uh, we had a three-year-old at home, almost three-year-old, and I was expecting. So it was not, it was not a, a what anyone can, would consider to be a great time to start tithing. Right. But we knew that we had to, it was something that we needed to do, and that we had to be faithful. Yeah, I remember going through like, because I'm a real budgeting person, but I just remember like, this isn't logical, this makes no sense, this seems like a silly thing to do, you know? Um, so if we were gonna tithe, uh, you do the 10% of our, of our income, um, yeah, we were going to be $200 short. So it was just like, well, uh, we're being asked to do this, so we, we should do it um, and, and kind of trust that things will, will work out, you know, that, that God's got uh, control of this situation. There were moments when we didn't know how we were gonna make ends meet, but we trusted and I had a very dear friend in a Bible study that would just be like, here, you know, here's a $100 gift card. And I was like blown away, like, oh my goodness, like we need this for grocery money. And she just was like, God put it on my heart that to give this to you. And I was like, thank you so much. I'm, I'm gonna tear up. Cause it was just, it was such a sweet moment. It was God saying, thank you for honoring me. And um, it was really kind of a special, yeah, a special moment. Mm -hmm. And I think there were moments when we were first starting the process where there was some resentment. Um, I did get angry, but I always brought those feelings to God. Like I always said like, you know, I'm jealous of this person. It's a very human emotion um, to see people have things that you don't have or that you're sacrificing. And I did have a lot of those moments, but I also think that it was in those moments that I grew as a believer, um, it really stretched me like to, to learn to be grateful. I think it's a great exercise in really appreciating what you do actually have. We've seen through the church how the church can definitely bless groups of people, um, like witnessing baptisms is amazing. I always tear up. Um, so I, I think it's cool in that respect to see um, how our generosity can bless other people through the church. We have like this drive to tithe. Like yeah. it's just what we do. Like yeah. it's like we don't hold yeah. on to that money because it's just, it's not, in a, it's not ours. And if you think of it logically, it still probably wouldn't make any sense to me. <laughs> you know, you, like, you just can't. Yeah. Like it's not, Yeah, it's, it's, a, fa it's a faith step. If, if, if you're not there yet, you know, don't fret about it, pray about it. And have faith. 
Let's give Ken and Denise a hand. I appreciate them sharing about that personal decision that they made to honor and trust God and the, the, just the growth in their life and the joy of seeing God work in and through them. So let's take out this card that uh, we passed out. And there's three commitments, three different commitments that you can make today. Here's the first one. You can check this first box here that says acknowledge that everything belongs to God. Don't underestimate the importance of this decision. It's saying that this is, this is God's money. It's not my money. And the question is not, God, what do you want me to do with my money? But God, what do you want me to do with your money? And this is going to help you slay the monster and grow in, in peace and, and blessing and generosity. Second commitment is that you make a commitment, second box here, to tithe 10% faithfully to God. And maybe some of you already do that. Today's an opportunity for you to renew that commitment. Maybe some of you used to do that, and today's an opportunity for you to return to tithing. Some of you, this will be a new commitment, and it might feel scary to you, but it's also exciting to see how God will bless you. I would encourage you, try tithing for 90 days. And if you don't feel blessed, then stop. But try it. For, for 90 days because God invites you to test him in this. Now, maybe you're, I don't know, maybe you feel stuck in your life uh, spiritually or bored or complacent and you're not tithing. Give this a try. I'm telling you, this might be a breakthrough in your life. On the card, we put some instructions on how you can schedule uh, your giving. Marnie and I do this. We set it up online. It's easy and it's automated uh, for us. But you can also do it by giving every weekend or every time that you get paid. And then third commitment is to give above the tithe. Some of you who regularly tithe, I mean, you may want to uh, do this. Because after, after a while, over time, tithing can become uh, routine, like you're on autopilot, it can become easy, and you may not feel a sense of worship or sacrifice. You know, for Marnie and I, we, we, we got to this point uh, several years ago, and we made this third uh, commitment. And uh, God just did more, you know, in our hearts and uh, in and through our life. I want to encourage everybody to just take a moment and... Open your heart to God and whatever commitment he leads you uh, to make. Go ahead and make it, not out of guilt. Um, do this out of gratitude, uh, joy, worship, because God loves a cheerful uh, giver. And, and we know God's going to bless you. God promises to, to bless you. And when he does, I'd love to hear that story. You, you go ahead and, and email me. But not just future blessings. Um, I also want you to think about blessings that you've already uh, received. Think about it this way. I want you to imagine something. Imagine you go home today and uh, later today you're at your desk. Maybe you're setting up your tithe online and one of your kids, maybe you've got a teenage daughter, sees you and says, hey, dad, what are you doing? And you tell her and you show her the amount of your tithe and her eyes get really big and she's like, wow, dad, why do you give so much to the Lord? And you say, hey, Honey, come over here. Um, I want to share something with you that maybe I've never shared with you um, before, but your dad was not always a good man, and my family 
did not always honor the, the Lord. My family was full of alcoholics and money worshipers, marked by many divorces, people dominated by anger. But then, some, but then someone at work invited me to church one day. And I went and I met Jesus. And he reached out his mighty hand. And he saved me. And he forgave me. And he remade me into the person that I am today. And every good thing that we have in our life comes from him. We've got a great family that loves each other. And so, of course, we're going to be generous with him. We're going to put him first because we want to honor the God who has already done so much for us. My point is, you know, we give back and, and we honor the owner of everything, uh, not just for the future blessings that, that he promises that he will give us, but also uh, because of the many blessings that we already have in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to use the next few moments as the band uh, plays to just, you know, open your heart uh, to God and fill out this little card. Whatever commitment God leads you to make, uh, you make it. And if you're, if you're married, you can do this together. And then take this card with you. I encourage you, put it somewhere you can see it. Maybe in, on your refrigerator, in your wallet, in your Bible. I'm going to pray. And then uh, take this next moment as the band uh, plays. We're going to give you a moment to, to fill this out before our closing song. Let me, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the many blessings in our lives. Uh, you've, you've been so generous to me in my life. I thank you for the way many, many years ago you reached down and saved my uh, parents and gave me the privilege of growing up in a home where I learned about your love and grace. I know many people in this room and watching right now have that same gratitude for what you've done in, in their life. Some of them are new followers of you and they're going to leave a legacy. Future generations are going to know your love and your grace. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our church. Help us remember that everything you've entrusted us with, whether we have five bags or two bags or one bag, ultimately it is yours. And may we honor you for the blessings we've already received and will receive, knowing that you've promised more in the future. God, would you guide us? in this moment to take our, our next step. In Jesus' name, amen.